Hey y'all, welcome to Emergency Medicine Memoirs, a teen's perspective on emergency medicine. This podcast provides a place for EMS professionals and ER doctors to share their experiences and insights. From first-hand accounts of medical emergencies to discussions on the latest advancements in the field, this podcast will provide a unique and valuable perspective on the world of emergency medicine. Join us as we explore the challenges and triumphs of this exciting and dynamic field through the eyes of a teenager. Hi there, welcome back. This is the second part of the two-part segment of the episode with C.S. Barnhart. Hope you enjoy. So bouncing off of what you mentioned about, you know, our calls today, Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to talk about the active shooter drill that we had today. Yeah. That was the first time I've ever been in like a situation like that. And I thought it was very interesting. So do you think you could explain a bit about what it is and why we have them? Yeah. So are you talking about like the drills in general or like kind of like what an active pack active shooter is? Like the event or like the drill that we did today? I guess the drill that we did today. Yeah. So active, there's active attack. Um, training that basically is interagencies coming together to work on training for active shooters, MCI, stuff like that. And the reason we have it is because, right, unfortunately, it's just becoming more commonplace in our society. A lot more stuff is happening. You see it in the news all the time. So we want to try to be as prepared as possible, right? We're a main, we're a main city downtown. We're the capital of the state. There's a lot of stuff that happens here. Um, and so we just want to be prepped for that. And so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of training that goes into prepping for how do you respond, you know, because when you're working with multiple agencies, it's uh-huh. like how do we all work together, right? Like exactly. we're used to yeah. doing our own roles, but when this all happens and you got to come together as a group, mm-hmm. it helps to have trained or have a common terminology or a common approach or command structure right. to know what to do for those events. So like okay. PD is your security AFD and EMS is medical. Um, a lot of times AFD are absolute professionals uh-huh. and really experienced with doing like instant command structures. They do it on structure fires, traffic accidents, a lot of different types of scene calls right. that we don't deal with all the time. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we pretty much specialize in EMS, like yeah. medical management. And then PD is very savvy on security, um, threat assessment, like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so being able to bring all of those modalities and those mindsets together into one group and be able to have that function like that uh-huh. is helpful. Um, the reason we practice those drills now and the reason we're doing it, like I said, is just to prepare for those instances uh-huh. and have that muscle memory and that repetition to know, like we talked about earlier, um, if you show up on a scene and you're with police officers or firefighters or somebody like you've never met before, like if you notice when we kind of got into our, our groups or RTFs when uh-huh. we first got there, you know, they dispatched us to the quote unquote right. scene. Um, fire got there first we walk up we start introducing ourselves hey I'm Jennifer hey I'm so-and-so uh-huh. um, because that way you start to get to know the names of the people there so if you need something you can be like hey Mike or hey John or whoever it may exactly. be yeah. um, so that way you have that personal basis of like hi I'm so-and-so I'm going to be with you during this this mm-hmm. group or this phase or this incident and like you can kind of start planning hey this is what we're looking at this is the intel we have this is what we might need and forming up that way you're like an immediate asset if it's needed For sure. um, and so what we were practicing today is not only the active attack, which is knowing, like, a lot of it's, like, direct care, right? Uh-huh. So direct threat care as far as, like, once you get to a patient, like, tourniquets, wound packing, um, any type of immediate life-saving interventions mm-hmm. um, that you can do. And then from there, it can escalate to more advanced care as needed. But in that moment, you're just trying to, like, they talked about today, you know, stop the, stop the dying, um, which is 
you know, what we do and then stop exactly. the killing is what PD does. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest focus is just like neutralizing the threat and then taking care of the patients as much as possible and then exit and transport. So once you've gotten some of that taken care of, you want to get them off scene into the right facility or the right destination mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Um, so the training just emphasizes that. Um, the guy that was running it, um, we recently went through a program called CAST School. Um, it's the school that APD uses to put all their CAST officers through, which is the counter assault strike team. Okay. Um, and they go through that school. It's a week long. Um, and it's, it's rigorous, especially for them watching them. We didn't participate in all of the things. There's certain things we can't do like firearms uh-huh. and stuff that right. they did. Um, but it's to prepare them to the best of their ability, um, for situations like that, like how to prepare for active shooters, priorities, um, MCIs with mass casualties. Okay. Um, and you think like being downtown, right? We have sixth street, we have ACL, we have South right. Southwest, yeah. like big events happen here. Um, and so we just want to be as prepared as possible um, and try to take that training and hopefully spread that like around the nation. It's starting to pick up speed, I think, uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. Um, and then as far as that RTF format, I think we we are one of the first departments to really have that. Uh-huh. Um, as far as like in, in the setup that we do, right, to the extent that we do. Um, and so our people, our captain and our commander that run it, um, they're making a big push. They're being asked to come speak at other places because uh-huh. people are saying what we're doing here. Right. And they're yeah. like, we want that. How are you doing that? Like, we could use that in our city to have those resources. Um, so that's kind of what today's training was about is he went through that course. You know, we've seen the benefit of that course and just active attack training courses in general. Um, and he just wanted to get his guys through it. Ideally, he'd like a bunch of people to go through. Uh-huh. Um, he told me that a lot of times fire has different topics for the week or the shift or whatever it may be, or for the month that they okay. try to go through for training, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's like structure stuff or, you know, that's kind of their yeah. specialty, whatever they decide for the week. And then, so he told me this week was like the active attack training just with the cast school and stuff in okay. his mind. Yeah. He's like, I think it'd be really cool to mm-hmm. go through that and kind of yeah. get his guys a chance to run through that haven't had those experiences and haven't gotten that kind of training. Yeah, and it was interesting to see, like the second we stepped outside, everyone just got in place. It was like, it embodied like a real situation and mm-hmm. you were using like the radios and everything like that. And I thought that was very interesting to see. Yeah. Just, I mean, we really pushed the like train how you, you know, play how you are expected to like perform. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, that whole thing is right. Like if, if you just kind of mess around while you're training, like haha, but it's very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really help you when the real thing happens. Right. right? Um, so we're just like, whenever we have scenarios like that, you really want to push to be like, okay, we're going to train as if this was real, you know? Uh So radio traffic, um, like exactly how you'd walk up and meet people. Like, how do we form up? What are we expecting pre-planning? Like, Hey, this is where we're going to go. This is the reports we have the Intel, you know, whether it's mock or not, whether they're mannequins or real people or whatever you're using, Mm -hmm. um, you just want to be as prepared as possible. And so practicing like that helps a lot for sure. Um, which is really nice to have people with a good mindset that don't want to goof around, but they really want to work on getting better. Mm -hmm. So yeah sure i'm gonna find another question so since we're downtown Mm -hmm. um are there any specific emergencies or the most common emergencies that you see arise just based off where the station's located so for us specifically um, for where we're at, I think we see a lot of overdoses, uh-huh. um, not necessarily just cause it's downtown, but just where we're at, we're near a lot of clinics that right. deal with, um, treatments and stuff uh-huh. like that for people going through, um, trying to get off, you know, certain narcotics or certain street drugs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we run into a lot of overdoses. 
like I said, just because the area it's in, I think that's probably the most common call we run. A lot, a lot of it really depends on like the season, the time of year, right? Yeah. What's going on, events, stuff like that, right? Downtown, you're gonna have your classic like violence. You're gonna have your like homeless population. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of people down here that have um, like mental health histories and stuff like that, right. and mental yeah. health illnesses that like either and that's definitely a big thing in Austin. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's hard because. A lot of them either don't have the resources, don't want the resources, used to be medicated but aren't anymore. And it's like mm-hmm. trying to reach those people can be kind of difficult. So a right. lot of times we get called when they're experiencing like a behavioral crisis or, mm-hmm. um, you know, an emotional crisis or something like that or some, side of, side, some type of psychosis. Right. Um, and that's usually when we get called, right? So we see them kind of in those worst moments when they're not doing so mm-hmm. well. Um, but uh, yeah, so I would say in general, kind of like as downtown, I feel like that's the majority of it. Like uh-huh. I said, the call types just kind of vary, right? right? Like yeah. you're going to get your traumas, like your auto pads. We, we see a lot of scooter accidents downtown really? because yeah, well, there's uneven pavement. If people have been drinking too much and decide that's the safe way home, <laughs> even though it's a motorized scooter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scooter accidents, like I said, um, like violent stuff, like shooting, stabbings just kind of happen mm-hmm. downtown. But I think for me, we've had a decent amount of overdoses down yeah. here. And I find that interesting because... I've asked another CS this at a different, like, station downtown. I forget which one it was. Mm-hmm. But he was saying that um, they see a lot of homeless people. So it's interesting to just see, like, how in the different parts of downtown, call types, although all are common, yeah. they can vary in, like, I guess, how much there is. There. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, some of our calls, like, right, they may be homeless or right. people, you know, that are homeless that are also dealing with, like, overdosing or something like that, you know, because we run on people in their houses that have overdosed, and a lot of times it's, like, the people on the street. Um, The issue we run into, especially a lot lately, is, you know, a lot of people who do, like, their choice drug, like, cocaine or, you know, marijuana or whatever they may take, like, a lot of times if they don't get it from, like, the same buyer or the same people, like, they've been having issues with things being laced with fentanyl or other, like, unsuspected like substances um and so that results in them being like i thought i was just taking this which i normally do and don't have a problem uh-huh. and now something else has completely gone wrong and so we're sure. seeing yeah. them and you know when we finally kind of get them back and around they're like i honestly thought it was just this and it wasn't so it's a it's kind of a good opportunity for us to be able to like educate them let them know what's going on kind of build that rapport of like hey like I'm obviously never going to endorse drug use, right? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, like, hey, if you're going to, please be safe about it. You have resources. Like, please reach out and let us know if you need anything. Like, um, our community health paramedics um, are really good about trying to get everyone hooked up with resources, mm-hmm. um, rehab, if they're interested. Um, we try to give out, like, if they use Narcan or if I use Narcan, we get them, like, kits of Narcan to take home. We're like, hey, okay. yeah. we'd much rather have you have this than not at all, right? Because, right. like, we yeah, don't want to sure. run on it. And there's, like, the stigma of, like, you know, law enforcement showing up and they're like, I'm going to get in trouble. I was like, honestly, like if law enforcement shows up first, it's probably because they have Narcan and they saw the call go out and then we get there and they're like, Hey, do you need anything else? And they're like, we're like, Nope, just, you did what you needed to do. Um, and a lot of times like overdose calls, right. Have the potential to become violent, um, either by the patients, other bystanders, whatever it may be. And so a lot of times law enforcement shows up for our scene security and our Uh safety. Um, but as long as everything's good, they usually go. And it's nice to kind of be rebuilding that relationship where, you run into patients who are scared that they're going to get arrested or in trouble for having just been caught taking drugs. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to be able to tell them, like, no, like, if they show up, they're here to help you. Like, unless you're, like, committing a crime, then I yeah. can't control that. But, like, if it's you just having a medical emergency because of this, like, they're just there to do whatever they can before we get there and give us the info, be there for our safety and yours. Right. Um, and then after that, we're just here to take care of you as much as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's a kind of a combo of both, you know. Mm-hmm. And then 
we do get a lot of homeless people, but a lot of times it's just because of whatever their complaints are, right? Like if they don't have primary care, they're not set up, they probably don't have regular doctor's appointments depending. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of times we become their primary care, right? Right. Like they'll call us to be like, hey, I have a sore, like my tooth aches or something like that because where else do they go or if they can't make it to the clinic or something's hurting them where they can't make it, you know? Mm -hmm. So you kind of end up being that that go between that middleman to get them the resources that maybe if you can't do it yourself, getting them in touch with somebody who can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess that like, like that kind of answered my next question. Cause I was just going to ask, are there any like specific, you know, age groups or demographics that you treat the most, Mm -hmm. but like you were definitely saying a bunch of homeless people, um, or people experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. and um, would you say for that to be true or yeah I would say a majority at least down here we tend to see them a lot uh-huh. um, sometimes we just get people you may not be experiencing homelessness but just low-income housing right like maybe you have housing maybe you have stuff but you just don't have like the most means or you have a residence that you're living in but maybe you don't have access to the right medical care mm-hmm. or you know I we run into a lot of patients um, and it's it's been hard to kind of try to help them like, cause you just feel for them when they're like, I've been trying to get a doctor's appointment. And they said the next time they can see me is two months from now, but this is killing me. And they have like a rotting tooth or, right. you know, and like certain things where you try to help them, they're like, they actually have been trying to put in the effort. And they're like, they said, I have to go to the clinic. The clinic called you guys. Like I yeah. tried to get into see a doctor, but they said it only till next month. And now next month turns into being delayed. And then they're like, okay, we got you prescription medications. And they're like, but I can't afford them. Cause I'm in low income. Like I don't have yeah. the money to afford yeah. them. And then we're like, what about insurance? And like, I'm trying to get set up insurance, but I don't have it. And they're still making me a pay a fee. And then mm-hmm. I have to handle this. So it's, it's a lot of like, we end up doing a lot of like social work, which right. I didn't realize when I got into EMS, yeah. you know, which is kind of an interesting aspect of seeing how much we show up sometimes. And it's just like, okay, how do we help you manage life? Yeah. You know, and how, like, obviously we don't have all the answers, but how do we get you hooked up with people that do, yeah. you know, to try and get you the best care possible? Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean there's a lot of like social work and also like mental care along with like the actual medical aspects that you're treating yeah. these patients with. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I forgot where I heard it one time and I'm, I'm sure it's kind of talked about everywhere where, you know, when you go into EMS or just like, you know, you work out in the field, like you're a social worker, you're, um, you know, you're a therapist, you're providing medical care, you know, sometimes, you know, whatever that patient needs, you kind of work on a fluctuating scale. And like I said, like try to get resources, like if you're not the person to do it, but sometimes it's as much as talking to somebody, like I showed up and people are having panic attacks just because like something triggered them, whatever might be going on and just trying to figure out like, Hey, what normally works for you to help manage this, you know, and trying to get what we can and just like hang out with them. I've been on scene with somebody for like an hour just to kind of talk them down, work our way through it, coached breathing, just whatever we could. And then by the time we were done, like they stayed home. They were good to go. They're just like, I yeah. just, I just couldn't get myself out of that headspace. No, exactly. And so yeah. having like learning that patience and learning those skills on how to talk to people, um, and just how to, how to kind of like find out what their needs are and then slowly learn how to help meet those needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is really cool. And then, like I said, just the social work aspect I didn't expect because a lot of times it's like, you know, you show up and it's just somebody who's like, my oxygen concentrator's broken. Yeah. And you think like, you, but you called 911. And somebody's like, well, yeah, because they can't breathe without their oxygen concentrator. And you're like, yeah. all right, well, let's see if we can fix this. And if we can, I'm going to call somebody who might be able to come out and fix yeah. it or get you a new one. Or like, you know, since we're here, is there anything else going on? And then sometimes you find out more things. We're like, I haven't had this. We're like, oh, I don't have a glucometer or right. I'm out of meds. You know, yeah. so you, the more you talk to the certain patients, the more you find out like, oh, this isn't the only thing, this is just the thing that causes us to come here, but right. there's more going on. 
And so you get a little more involved in their lives and kind of get to see what's going on past like just the lights and sirens, like high speed stuff all the time too, which is kind of like, I I think it's good. I think it's good to remember, like we work with people, Mm -hmm. right. And like being allowed to come into their lives and they're vulnerable and like, especially people are like, I'm independent. Right. And so them letting you in and asking you for help is a big deal. Yeah. And like, I have, I remind myself all the time, like what an honor that is to be able to like have that opportunity. Right. Right. Like, yeah, sure. And so aside from, like, the patients, Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of talk about, like, the emergency medicine professionals as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Teamwork is a very big part of EMS, especially (laughs) because you're almost always working with a partner. How does the teamwork dynamic kind of function when you're running calls or you're treating patients? Yeah, so that is a fantastic question because teamwork, like, public safety in general, like, I don't think could exist without teamwork, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a certain personality that goes into this, but, like, if you aren't willing to be a team player and like work as a team, work with your partner, um, you know, like it, you're not going to make it right. Like it's just part of the job that has to be a thing, you know? And the, the unique thing about that is even if you are partnered with somebody that say like, maybe you don't agree with, um, that maybe you don't agree with, um, or just have like, you know, difference in personalities, whatever it may be. Like, when it comes to patient care, right? Like you still have to be like, okay, I might not like, we might not have the best day talking like side by side, but like you still are willing to like be professional, get stuff done, do what you need to do. Um, I've been lucky that like pretty much every partner I've had, like I've never had an issue. Like a couple of them have become like my best friends. Like, so I feel like I've really lucked out in that, in that way. Um, but yeah, teamwork as far as like being able to work together, right? Like you are with that person, like for the most part, like 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um, like 24 hours a day, um, depending on how many days a month you work. And, um, yeah, so it's, this is the person that goes with you on every call. Like, I don't know how many like things you've seen on different calls, Mm -hmm. but like if you're there with like patients, right. Like, and if it's like not a secure scene or it's okay or whatever, maybe like you're trusting that person to have your back, Mm -hmm. um, to just watch out for you when you get to know your partner or get to know who you're working with, it's cool because it almost becomes like um, like second nature. Like you can look at each other and know like what each other needs right. or like yeah. they get used to your flow. You get used to their flow. Yeah. You know, you're just like, you show up with a coffee with them. They show up a tea for you, you yeah. know, like whatever yeah. it may be. Like one of my partners I had for just about like three or four years. And like we, all we would do is just like look up and know exactly what we were thinking. Uh-huh. Like know what we needed. Like I would show up with whatever he wanted. He'd like bring me something. If it was a rough day. Like he yeah. knew what to say or what not to say. And it was just like nice to have, it almost becomes like a competent, right? Like, right. because sometimes you see them more than your family and your friends like that don't work in the field yeah. and so like you know when you're with them all the time you're running the type of calls we run seeing the things we see that kind of thing like having having that source of like friendship and partnership plays right. a huge role in being able to do our job effectively and have somebody to rely on mm-hmm. um and as far as teamwork with working with like other agencies right like we work with super close with fire with PD, right, right? it's really important to have good rapport and good relationships with those because mm-hmm. you're working together all the time yeah. right like nobody yeah. wants to be miserable you know asking for help and working with each other um and so it's just like I said I think it's just teamwork is just important because it's it's nice to be able to work as a cohesive group and be able to trust each other and have that flow kind of like we did the training today to get used to like what it's like to run with what with each other yeah um and like fire will do training with other engines and other stations to be like hey we don't run a lot together let's like meet up and see how everybody's doing you know um so yeah I think (laughs) um yeah so I think it's you can talk. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, I'm not. I'll just. I'll turn it off. Um, 
yeah so right because you're just working with all these agencies you're working with all these people um I, you want someone that's a team player right because like yeah. ego isn't really going to serve you right like yeah. if you're just like I'm here for just about me I'm like okay well that's not that's gonna not work working. right like yeah. it's like you need to you need to be willing to help each other out you know because yeah. if somebody's having an off day I want to be able to help cover their off day yeah. right like I want to be able to kind of pull that slack for them and if I'm kind of feeling off like it'd be nice if they can do that for me and right. like I need to be able to trust you yeah. right like for and I sure. think the teamwork the biggest portion of that is like the trust the loyalty like um the vulnerability like being able to open and be like hey I'm struggling with this like hey keep me accountable for this right like mm-hmm. I want my partner like if I'm tired during my shift and starting to get snippy and like not doing what I need to do I want my partner to know to be able to be like hey like you're kind of getting a little cranky you're like hey you yeah. need to watch this or like I want to be able to do the same for my partner right, be right. like hey I was like in the best way possible like I noticed you doing this on the sauce call like it's kind of not okay or being able to have those hard conversations yeah. um because I don't want somebody who's just okay with whatever. I want somebody who's constantly pushing me to make me better yeah. um, and hold me accountable, you know. And so, like, For that's sure. really important yeah. in a partner and teamwork, you know. Like, if we're on a call, it's nice to be able to, like, give fire feedback. Like, hey, like, I really liked what you did on that call. Or, like, hey, can we talk about this call? Because this yeah. kind of went off. But, like, in the moment, it wasn't a good time to talk. So, yeah. it's helpful. Like, hey, let's talk this out now. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, it's just, I feel like, like I said, so many of aspects of our job, we're all, like, working with everybody uh-huh. um, together. And so, like if everybody's fighting and butting heads and like nobody can agree and nobody's willing to have conversations and it's just like the silent treatment, right? Like it's not, it's not going to work. So you need to have somebody who you can trust on. Like you're in vulnerable places with vulnerable people. You're being offered in people's homes. Like I need to be able to trust you completely. Yeah. And I want people to be able to do the same for me. Um, so teamwork plays like such a huge part, especially when like, like your shift, like honestly, like you're kind of watching out for each other to make sure you go home at the end of shift, right? Like I want to make sure you make it home to your family. I want to make sure I make it home to my family, yeah. right? So it's just, you know, as far as, like, safety, how you run the day, like, things you do, where you eat. Like, there's just so many things that play a factor. Yeah. And having a good yeah. partner can make the worst station or the worst shift feel like the most fun day you've ever had. Right. And having, like, a rough partner can make, like, the chillest truck, like, where you're only on it for part of a day feel like the longest shift you've ever worked. Right. So it really just depends. And so having having that good relationship yeah is really beneficial and sometimes it takes time to build that right yeah but it's definitely worth the effort no I yeah <laughs> especially because you're in a field where you're helping others you need to first mm-hmm. make sure you're helping yourself yeah um I think for our last question mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you what advice do you have for any aspiring you know EMS professionals or teams who are hoping to go into the emergency medical field yeah so this is all probably stuff that I wish people had like reached out to me or I had known about sooner. Um, I would really recommend do ride outs if you get the opportunity because it's one thing to be interested like that looks really cool you know you've seen uh-huh. the shows or like maybe you've talked to people about it on like career days or whatever it may be but doing the ride out granted it depends on what day if you go right. you might just get like you know, <laughs> refusals all day or you might get some really crazy calls yeah. is a good opportunity to see the balance like sometimes you may get or do a couple if you get a chance uh-huh. to, right? Because you may get a slow shift and then, like, a crazy shift and be able to see it can be a little bit of both. Right. And it kind of gives you some reality into the job as far as, like, even day-to-day, like, start of shifts, end of shift, paperwork, like, the whole gamut of, like, what you might have to do. Yeah. Like, you saw today. Like, yeah. we started off the day with, like, a kind of, you know, intense call. And then we had to go to the garage to get some stuff done. And then uh-huh. we kind of, the rest of the day, we got, like, a refusal. So it's been kind of, like, yeah. a balance today. Um, so I'd say, yeah, do, do ride-alongs if you can do it. Um, I always recommend, like, if you're interested in the EMS field, get your EMT anyway, because guess what? It's good first aid knowledge to have, right? Whether you're mm-hmm. camping, you're with family, whatever yeah. it may be, right? Yeah. It goes above first aid. It's good yeah. knowledge to have and be aware of. Um, and I just think it's just good 
good to have. Um, ask all the questions, right? Like go to the career day, stuff like that, and like ask different departments, see what they offer. Um, there are no dumb questions. Like I, I love getting questions from people because if I don't know, I'll find out. Yeah. Like I'm just like, because yeah. that's probably something we should both know. Um, and I would say if you're interested, um, like I said, go get your EMT. Um, just keep studying, right? Like pick a topic that interests you or like, you know, pick your reasons. Like, why am I interested in this? And once you think you're interested, um, keep pushing yourself to improve, whether that's like going through a paramedic or just taking specialty courses or like volunteering to do like some, like if you're into outdoors, like national parks do volunteer for like EMT and paramedics right. sometimes. Yeah. So it's like finding a spot where maybe you like it, mm-hmm. um, you like to apply it. Um, but the biggest thing would do would be to like do write outs, right? Just see, right. see if it's free, see if you're interested. And then once you are, um, ask questions, find a program that you can get into. Um, you know, if you're interested, like I said, in paramedic, then look out for programs like that and then see what fits you. Right. Cause some, not all programs are made the same. For sure. Um, so yeah. find one that like fits what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of apply, look around, like look really careful at departments and see if it's for you. I'm always going to push here because yeah. I work here. So I'm a little biased. Um, but you know, just check it out, ask around, um, and get feedback. And yeah. then from there, like I said, just don't, don't ever stop trying to learn. Don't get complacent. Um, right. it's really easy to kind of feel like after you've been doing it, like everything's new and shiny, right. For the first year or yeah. two. Um, and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And not to say it just gets bland after that, but it's just, it could be easy to become complacent. Yeah. Um, and once you get into it, once you're kind of interested, that kind of like will fade. And just to remind yourself, like, you're never going to know everything. Medicine's always changing. There's always new, like, evidence-based medicine coming yeah. out about certain procedures or treatments or whatever it may be or, like, illnesses and stuff and mm-hmm. how to treat them. Um, so always keep pushing your learning, whether that's, like, classes. You can look online. There's places that offer, like, um, continued education right. classes. Um, you can, you know, I always encourage people, like, if you're interested, go for, like, instructor stuff, yeah. too, if that's something you're interested. Like, teaching stop the bleed or teaching like hands-only CPR or something like that to see if you like teaching yeah um so I'd say whatever experiences you get a chance to check out try those Mm -hmm. and then really it's just kind of like keep trying things till you see what works for you yes um yeah and just never stop learning for sure (laughs) thank you so much C.S. Barnhart for being on this episode I it was a lot of fun and yeah great to just kind of talk about everything that happened yeah absolutely Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating or review. That's all for this episode, y'all. See you next time.